Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker, Mark Cowley. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Well, this morning we're going to pursue a higher intimacy, but first, I want you to compare and contrast these two couples. These are two short vignettes of uh, people who uh, describe how they met uh, and and got married. And uh, some of you may have seen this, uh, but I especially want you to study um, the nonverbals of of the two. Years ago, we were married three years, got a divorce. Then I married Marjorie. But first you lived with Barbara. Right, Barbara. But I didn't marry Barbara, I married Marjorie. Then he got a divorce. Right. Then I married Katie. Another divorce. Then a couple of years later at Eddie Colicchio's funeral, I ran into her. I was with some girl I don't even remember. Roberta. Right. Roberta. But I couldn't take my eyes off you. I remember I snuck over to her and I said, what did I say? You said, what are you doing after? Right. So I ditched Roberta. We go for coffee. A month later, we're married. 35 years today after our first marriage. We were both born in the same in hospital. 1921. Seven days apart. In the same hospital. We both grew up we one block away from each other. On the Lower East Side. On Delancey Street. My family moved to the Bronx he when I was 10. lived on Fordham Road. Hers moved when she was I 11. I lived on 183rd Street. For six years, she worked on the 15th floor. I worked floor for a very prominent as a neurologist. Nurse where Dr. I had a practice on the 14th floor, the very same we building. We never met. Never met. Can you imagine that? You know where we met? In an elevator. I was visiting family. In the Ambassador Hotel in Chicago, He was Illinois. on the third floor. I was on the 12th. I rode up nine extra floors just to keep talking to her. Nine extra floors. That's a big old ALG. You know what that is? Ain't love grand, right? Well, which of those two couples, would you say, have a more intimate relationship? So, uh, you want to put up the PowerPoint there, fellas? There we go. There we go. Which of the two couples would you say have the more intimate relationship? The couple on that side or the couple on this side? Well, the first couple didn't seem very connected, did they? Um, Roberta, remember that? So, but the second couple knew each other uh, to the point of perfect synchronization. Um, you know, uh, the, closest, the closest to us know our flaws, they Uh, know our strengths, they know our idiosyncrasies, um, to the degree that we begin to pick up each other's mannerisms. And uh, so the second couple carried on what seemed like two different conversations, uh, when in reality they were speaking as one voice, which was beautiful. Uh, In our life with the Lord Jesus, we know that kind of intimacy is our goal, Uh, but how do we get there? How do we build that intimacy and learn His voice? Well, let's examine this together, friends, and uh, my prayer is that you'll leave here today with a renewed sense of joy, equipped um, to engage him more completely with new tools to accomplish that. So if you want to be closer to the Lord, stay tuned. Uh, 
A little disclaimer before we begin. For those of you who don't know me, I love the Jewish roots of our faith. So you may hear me refer to God as Adonai, which means what? Lord. You may hear me refer to him as Hashem. Anybody know what Hashem means? It means the name. Very reverent expression. Or Yeshua, which of course is Jesus' Hebrew name. Okay. Well... Here's what we'll be aiming at uh, in the next 30 minutes. We want to look at the uh, definition of intimacy. We, don't t- uh, we take things for granted so often. Uh, and then we want to discuss how to build intimacy with, with God, as well as the effects of intimacy and what the Word has to say about it. And then finally, hearing God's voice. Listen to what this one man says about achieving intimacy with his wife. Uh, And think about your own love experience. He says this, When I was dating my wife, I wanted to spend as much time as I possibly could with her because I wanted to know her personally. I wanted to know what she liked and what she didn't like. I wanted to know her pet peeves and her passions. I wanted to know everything I could about her. But above all, I had to learn how to make choices that showed I loved her. Sound familiar? Most all of us here have experienced an intimate relationship with another person. But how can we relate to those words as it relates to our expression with the Most High? How many of us can honestly say that those words apply to our pursuit of intimacy with God? So let's first describe what we mean by the word intimacy. Often we take words for granted and they start to lose their flavor and even change definitions over time. Most often in our culture, when we hear the word intimacy, we think of a sexual union. But we who are believers know that intimacy is so, so much more than that. So here is intimacy defined. It's a close, familiar, and loving personal relationship with another person. It is the blending of hearts. It includes knowledge of each other, interdependence, trust, responsiveness, and mutuality. It's going from me to we, and of course, commitment. Well, let's look at some of the ways that you and I typically pursue intimacy in our closest relationships with people, and then we want to apply some of those principles in the pursuit of our Creator. Take, for instance, the famous and very familiar book of which you're all uh, familiar with, The Five Languages of Love, uh, as proposed by author Gary Chapman. Uh, As you probably recall, there are five ways that couples prefer to receive and communicate love. And they are, uh, as you remember, quality time. In other words, uh, I feel most love when we spend time together, FaceTime. Uh, gifts, as in, I feel loved when, when you leave me little notes, when you buy flowers, when you remember to buy my favorite ice cream. Uh, acts of service, I feel that you love me if you do things for me, especially in and around the house. Uh, touch, I feel most loved when, when you uh, brush your hand against me or spontaneously hug me or hold my hand, etc. And finally, words of affirmation. I feel loved when you tell me what's good about me and what I'm doing right. Well, let me ask you, which of those five is most meaningful to you? In other words, 
which of those five is the number one way in which you prefer to receive love? Now, uh, many of you are probably thinking, well, I like all of them. Absolutely. And there's a couple that really, I really, really like. But if you had to choose one, and this is the only way you could receive, receive love the rest of your life, which one would you pick? How many? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. How many uh, vote for quality time, time together? Oh, lots of people. Uh-huh. Uh, how about gifts? No one ever chooses that one. How about acts of service? Ah, Almost the same as quality time. Touch. We have any touch? Yes. And words of affirmation right here. Yeah, and Big D and back. <laughs> or Wes, yes. <laughs> right. So um, let me ask now, what language is most meaningful or preferred by the person you're closest to? Okay. Uh, in other words, how many of you are speaking their language? Uh, expressing love in the way that they would prefer, or are you expressing love in the way that you prefer, right? So uh, let's say, I'll just make this up. Let's say that uh, Amy's love language is acts of service, which it's not, it's not that. Uh, and uh, mine is words of affirmation. Uh, and I say to her, you don't love me. What do you mean? I'm washing your clothes, I'm making your meals, etc. Because the way she's communicating love. Uh, when I'm hoping that she'll just tell me how terrific I am, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm telling her how terrific she is, but what she really wants is I to go out and wash the dang car. You know? so. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and let me ask you this. How many couples here today have the same love language? One. Oh, Jason, okay, uh, a few. Very unusual. You know the old adage about opposites attracting? It's very, very true. We tend to uh, be drawn toward people who have strengths in the areas that are not our strengths. But the ironic thing then is that we get them on board and then we try to conform them to our own image, which is really, which is really dumb because then we wouldn't like them anymore. Right? Well, now for our purposes today, uh, in our relationship to the Father, if we take out Gifts, although you, we could say metaphorically um, uh, working t- for him with our gifts, that sort of thing. And, and touch, maybe we could say, has to do uh, with experiencing his manifest presence. But which of those remaining three uh, would you guess the Lord wants to receive most from you? Acts of service? We'll say words of worship, we'll say that. Or quality time. Which of those three? Without hesitation, everybody said the same thing. And you, you may remember me saying this in my last teaching, that relationship with God must always precede what? Starts with a D. Demonstration. Intimacy with God must always precede demonstration. So clearly, the Lord wants quality time with us before we perform acts of service. Uh, now, some of us have that backwards, don't we? Well, thinking that our acts of service will draw God closer to us. But no relationship must precede demonstration. Well, how do I know it's true that the Father wants FaceTime with us above everything else? Because of this universal truth. Intimacy requires more and more reciprocal self-disclosures. Well, what the heck does that mean, Marky? Well, I'm going to tell you. It means 
that you cannot be intimate uh, with someone who doesn't self-disclose, who doesn't share some of their deepest thoughts, hopes, wishes, and dreams, right? Um, uh, so self-disclosure. And what we learn in our pursuit of Hashem is that the more we share of ourselves with Him, the more He shares of Himself with us. But sadly, many believers are content to have a polite, superficial relationship with Him. You know, the verse that makes me tremble the most, and I know Neil would feel the same way, is the verse where Yeshua uh, says to some in the final judgment, away from me, I didn't know you. So you see, intimacy with the master really isn't an option. We must pursue intimacy with him in order to know him. When Jesus says, I never knew you, he means this. I don't recognize you as my disciple, as my follower. You are a spiritual stranger to me. So saints, appeal to the Father. Lord, I want to know you and be known by you. Uh, In fact, let's say that together. Lord, I want to know you and be known by you. One more time. Lord, I want to know you and be known by you. Now sometimes... Intimacy is just sitting in silence, yes? Uh, Yeshua calls it abiding, uh, coming aside with him, sitting at his feet or in his lap, simply for the joy of being in his presence. Do some of you do that now? Just sit silently in his his presence? Sure you do. Uh, But isn't it true, friends, that we often relate to Adonai in the way that we were taught relationships? What I mean is we often experience God in a similar way that we learned relationship in our families of origin. So if you had abandonment issues or were isolated in childhood, your tendency may be to do Christianity on your own because you're used to taking care of yourself. You might think, ah, don't bother God with what I can handle myself, right? If you experienced a family where the communication was poor, your relationship with God may be distant and silent. If your environment was hostile, you may be afraid of the Father and see Him as stern and angry. But on the other hand, if you were raised in a close, loving family system, you may understand how to pursue God in intimacy. Therefore, we must become aware of how our understanding of the relationship impacts how we relate to the Most High. Because, friends, you cannot be intimate with a person you don't trust. Our families may not have been trustworthy, but the Lord our God is. The more we trust someone, the closer we feel to them, and we let them get to us. It's true in human relationships and also in our relationship to Hashem. So, How do we grow in our trust of Father God and thereby grow our intimacy with Him? Certainly, the first step in this quest is believing that it's even possible. If you see the Father as distant or angry or disinterested, you are more likely to think of God as an absentee landlord uh, or against you because you make him so mad, or that he can't be bothered with you. After all, he's got a universe to run. So do you really believe 
that intimacy is possible with God. We call these doubts unbelief. We begin by determining our areas of unbelief regarding the character and the closeness that God desires with his children. We must acknowledge and express that unbelief to him and repent of that unbelief. You know the truth of who the Father is. Well, decide to accept those truths into your own life. Either he wants intimacy with all his children or not. There are not two sets of God principles, one set for you and one set for everybody else. You know what I'm talking about. Second, recognize that the first step to intimacy with anyone involves speaking and sharing and lots and lots of it. You know, life is built on a lot of little small moments. Uh, and we must include Hashem in all of those moments by thanking Him throughout the day for things that you experience inwardly and outwardly. Uh, as much as possible, include Him in everything. Your experiences, no matter how mundane they are, your interactions with others, your emotions, uh, over time these expressions begin to change your desires uh, as these moments add up. And your life becomes consumed with thoughts of him. Intimacy then requires speaking and sharing. Third, remember that intimacy is also characterized by hearing, that is, listening. And we're going to look at that in a little bit, ways to hear from God. But know this, wisdom comes from listening, but with openness, with vulnerability, and honesty. Be still and know that I am God. Boy, that's a real testimony to abiding with him. Just stop it. Sit down, Mark, and just abide in me. Just be still and just recognize that I'm God. I've, I've been getting in that practice uh, <clears throat> where I have no agenda whatsoever. Uh, but to be in God's presence. I don't ask him anything. I don't tell him anything. I just recognize that he's God. And so I just kind of, I just, I feel myself sinking into that. And I just listen. And I, I just listen. Be still and know that I am God. Fourth, we speak to him conversationally throughout the day. This ongoing dialogue. And from that comes encouragement and strength, and help, and instruction, and guidance. Thoughts that come into your mind begin to be brought before him with the attitude of heart that says, Adonai, is this thought pleasing in your sight? So talk to him all day, conversationally. Now, here's an example. Um, most of us give what I'll call rent-free space to past sins. You know what I'm talking about, rent-free space? Uh, some are tough to move past. Amen? Well, recently I was dwelling on a past failure uh, that continues to haunt me. And I began asking the Lord what his perspective was on those thoughts. On one hand, I said to the Lord, these thoughts are the consequences of my actions, uh, and they keep me humble. On the other hand, they suppress joy. And they usher in self-condemnation. So I listened. I, I did the be still and listen thing. And 
I listened for his counsel. And what I heard was this, whatsoever is lovely, dwell on this. And then I also received a revelation following that, that the frequent revisiting of those thoughts did not bear fruit and that they keep my focus on me. So the point of this is I had to stop and listen intentively intently to Yeshua, and he healed my mind on this very important issue. You see, with this attitude, your heart begins to understand the mind of Yeshua, which is the mind of the Spirit, which is life and shalom. Well, what are the effects of intimacy? Speaking of life and peace, there are many effects of this intimacy. As in our intimacy grows with time, we gain new insights. Uh, we sense his presence and we recognize it. You learn that some thoughts bring you life and peace while other thoughts bring unrest and emptiness. What is and what is not well-pleasing to him. You receive from Yeshua support and encouragement and comfort. Scripture comes alive to you and you receive revelation even if you've read those passages hundreds of times. As the relationship grows deeper over time, your love, your preference for him increases while your love for your own life decreases. When we fellowship with Hashem, trust is built, confidence grows, our hearts change, and we become more endeared to him and him to us. Uh, trust that. We can trust that when we draw near to him, he will what? Draw near to us. God created each of us for, with a longing for intimacy. We're created to fellowship with Messiah Jesus. We need him, and he desires us. Today, he's calling our names waiting to share his heart with us, waiting to hear our hearts expressed to him. Intimacy with God requires our relentless pursuit of an abiding and growing relationship. There is no other way for us. Friends, our God communicates with his creation. His nature is that of an involved father, not an absentee landlord. We can expect him to grow us in every way, including our level of intimacy with him. And remember this, Moses talked with God in a specific place, that is, the tent of meeting. But with us, the veil to the holy of holies has been rent asunder. We have access, constant access to him everywhere. And as a result, let's get to know him as completely as possible, talking, 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 and listening, listening, listening. Well, what does the Word say about intimacy? How do we know that the Father truly desires intimacy with us? Well, in Psalm 63, we see David's passion for intimacy and his need for God's constant presence. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. I will seek you eagerly. My heart thirsts for you. My body longs for you. For your grace is better than life. My lips will worship you. Yes, I will bless you as long as I live. 
In your name I will lift up hands, holy hands. I am satisfied as with rich food. My mouth praises you with joy on my lips. When I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. David is pursuing God all the time. And what did, we, what did God say about David? He is a man after my own heart. In John 4, Jesus promises intimacy. Uh, or 14. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and what? Reveal myself to him. In relationship, Yeshua promises to give you one-on-one attention. And in Matthew 11, he asks for that attention. Come to me. All of you are struggling and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I'm gentle, I'm humble, I'm not mad at you. And you will find what? Rest for your souls. The psalmist shares with us the effects of intimacy in Psalm 73. But for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made Adonai Elohim my refuge so that I can tell of all your works. And finally, we see the cause and effect of intimacy in James 4. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Well, let's chat a bit about hearing God's voice. Having practiced then a lifestyle of intimacy with the lover of our souls puts you in a place to have the Lord speak with you and reveal himself to you. So allow me to share with you some things that you already know, but may or may not be putting into practice. Do you want to hear from God? then do not overlook the various ways he communicates with us. First, every time you read the Bible, you are giving Adonai the opportunity to speak to you. Read the word not to gain knowledge, but to listen for his voice speaking directly to you. Ask for that every time you read the word. Lord, speak to me as I read. Second, if you are born again, you have spiritual ears that can allow you to hear the sweet, tender voice. But Mark, what if it's my voice imagining things or even the voice of the enemy, you might ask? Well, let me say this. If the voice or the thought is harsh, condemning, or uses fear, friends, it ain't the voice of God. Amen? Adonai expresses love in his guidance, in his comfort, even in his correction. And keep in mind, the voice of God is always consistent with Scripture and his character. Dreams and visions are ways that he communicates with us. Now, my point of view is that dreams are mostly uh, involved with processing uh, current concerns, um, Amy dreamt about having a lot of kittens in the house last night, 
Well, she dragged me to the pet store yesterday to look at <laughs> at this beautiful uh, tiger, uh, Tom, you know, and uh, almost got me there. It <laughs> almost got me. Yes, our house is a menagerie, be that as it may. So, um, so most of our dreams involve processing current concerns, and often in metaphors and symbols, but sometimes we'll have a spiritual dream that we are receiving for a very specific purpose. Do not discard those dreams. You need to share it with somebody. Uh, uh, even just ask God to lead you to somebody that you can share that dream with. Don't discard it. Fourth, when consulting the Father, make your decisions based upon his peace. Peace I leave with you, said Yeshua. If God is speaking to your heart, you will have peace. Uh, that is a sense of completeness, of wholeness, of confidence. That's what shalom means. It's more than peace. It's the experience of completeness. Fifth, we hear his voice with opened and closed doors, right? He confirms his word to you. And I'd say that after the second or third closed doors with something you're seeking an answer for, consider that he is speaking to you, and the answer is no. Six, we hear God through others, don't we? Uh, He confirms his word to us multiple times. That's my experience, through others. You had that experience? Isn't that really cool? It feels very personal. Um, So uh, ask God for confirmation. If you feel he's leading you in a direction, ask him for confirmation. And he'll give it to you through all those ways we mentioned. And, And... Let me add this. There are some things that block his voice. Unbelief, disobedience to what he's already told you to do, and worldly distractions. One last point before we join together to seek his voice. Some of you may be afflicted with a fear of intimacy, and maybe for good reason. But I will remind you, that there is no greater friend, no one more trustworthy, no better promise keeper, no one more interested in your well-being, one who will never forsake or abandon you, and no one who wants your attention more than the Almighty God. In that you can trust. Therefore, you can release yourself into his loving and gentle embrace. You know, the most impactful word I ever received came 33 years ago. I was in a large congregation at that time, and I received a prophecy from someone, and then there was a follow-up prophecy that pierced me. It was simply this, come aside with me, Mark, sit at my feet, and learn from me. This is Hashem's plea with you today to come aside with him, to seek, to know him, to abide with him all of the time. He wants your most vulnerable thoughts, and he wants to reveal his character to you. Some of you already lived this life, Virginia, (laughs) and others. But if not, Adonai will launch you into this today, right now, 
Will you cooperate? Will you soften your heart and let the process truly begin? This is where the rubber meets the road, friends. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.